Last week, I started a, it's just a short two-part series. I, I started a message called Attitude Adjustment. And uh, Gabe is my uh, background noise. He's my fan. He is my hype man. Thank you, Gabe. And um, there are times where we find ourselves needing an attitude adjustment. Who has ever woke up out of bed, rolled out of bed, and just knew that your attitude was not in a good place. And you might not even be able to figure out why you woke up that way other than you woke up and your attitude absolutely stinks. And that's what we talked about last week in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I liked the direction of that passage so much that I wanted to continue in talking in Philippians chapter 2. Now, as we're about to read this passage, there's something that stood out to me when reading it in verse 15. Paul says, shining like bright lights. He told us to shine like bright lights. Now, there are many passages in Scripture that refer to Jesus and believers being the light. You guys have heard that before, right? You, you have heard it in, it's in Matthew chapter 5, it's in, it's in the book of 1 John. David makes reference to that as God being light in, in Psalms. And the significance of light every time it is mentioned is that darkness cannot penetrate light. But only light can penetrate darkness. In fact, it is impossible for light to be overcome. Sure, a believer can be killed for their faith. Even Jesus was crucified, but the message, that light, it will still live on. It can't be stopped. So just like light, I want your faith in your life to be so great that it can't be stopped. So let's read, if you would, turn in your Bibles to... Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be reading through verses 12 through 18. If you use an electronic Bible, I read it out of the New Living Translation. And we're also going to have it up here on the screen. But here's the thing. I, I don't want us, when we enter into church, to become lackadaisical in our approach to the Word of God. A lot of people just rely on the screen because it's nice to have up there. But you should get used to carrying your Word around with you. Wherever you go. For many, that is on a phone. Um, but this paper Bible is important too. And I just want to remind you, for, for those who weren't here a few weeks ago, there are a couple versions of the Bible that have been bought out by HarperCollins. And if you do your research, you will find that there are passages that are being excluded in the New International Version and excluded in the... Uh, uh, English Standard Version. So those two particular versions, the updated recent versions that are published by HarperCollins are omitting Scripture. So that's why it's not always good to just have an electronic Bible, to, but to get something that is in paper because that's not going to change. You guys understand what I'm telling you? Okay. Um, and you can research that on your own, but there's, there's several verses, including Matthew chapter 18, verse 11, that have been excluded in updated versions. And I encourage you to make sure that you have the full Bible. So let's go ahead and read Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. It says, Dear friends, 
You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard. Everyone say work hard. To show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases Him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Hold on. Before I go on, and no, this is not in my notes. This is Aaron completely going off script. Listen, Listen to what verse 13 says. This is amazing. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. God gives you his power. When you choose to work hard, God gives you his power so that you can do what pleases him. Understand this. God's saying, okay, there are certain things that please me, but if you seek me, if you pursue me, if you work at it, I am going to give you the tools that you need to please me. He doesn't leave you abandoned. He doesn't leave you trying to figure it out on your own. God does that. Let's pick up verse 14. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing. I'm going to be a broken record here for a second. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life, Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, this word. And Paul, he has, he has this great way of instructing the church. And Lord, I pray that we will read this today as instruction for our lives. I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there are many truths that I believe that we could pull out of this and talk about today, but for the sake of you remembering what I discussed, I want to talk about three truths that we pull out of this that I think are big factors, big key elements that if we truly want to be living examples for Jesus Christ. And the first one that Paul mentioned that I want to discuss is work hard to show inward results. We ought to be working hard to show the results of what God is doing in our lives. But here's the thing that we must accept right from the onset of this is that you can't work your way to heaven. And I think some of you might need to write that down. You cannot work your way to heaven. It's impossible. There's a sign I saw once that said, It might have been in a Christian bookstore. It said, quick, Jesus is coming, look busy. Now, obviously, I think it was meant as humor, or the person who wrote it is very ignorant. But 
God knows everything. He knows absolutely everything. He sees what you're doing, but he also knows the attitude of your heart when you're doing it. So whether you look busy or are actually busy doesn't really earn anything in the eyes of God. Sure, God is going to reward you along the way, but if it's a, as far as earning your salvation, there is nothing you can do in and of yourself that is going to earn salvation that comes from jesus christ and jesus christ alone there are many people who out who are out there that do things that seem good for the community humanitarian efforts but on its own merit none of those things have the right to stand before god You see, the key to eternity is Jesus Christ. That's the key to everything. If, the, if you want to move on from this life into the next life, the key is Jesus Christ. There is nothing outside of him that will get you into heaven. Church, I am saying something, and you guys, you guys have heard me say this for years now. But there are people sitting in churches today. There are some churches that reject that truth. That the only thing that will get you into eternity is Jesus Christ. It's the truth. So no matter how good of a person you think you are, you are not without sin unless you have claimed Jesus. It is Jesus that washes away sin. And so, guys, that is why we set the standard. The only way all of mankind can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no other means that we can be parched or we can be purged. Purged is the right word. We can be purged from this sin. He is the one who took our sins on the cross. He paid the penalty that we, all of mankind, all deserve for our disobedience. So where it might be easy for you, sitting in here, believing that the things that you do can produce rewards or gain favor because you're doing good things, God actually looks at it the other way around. He looks at it the other way around. I want you to take the example of the thief hanging on the cross. When Jesus was put up on the cross, he had, he had two men, one on each side of him. And one of those men was mocking him. And the other thief recognized this mockery and said, hold on. He doesn't deserve this. He doesn't deserve the punishment that we are facing today. And then that same thief, he cried out to Jesus. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked at that thief, and he said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's nothing that thief did other than recognize Jesus Christ as the one who was dying for him. And that and that alone got him into eternity. He didn't do any work. He didn't earn any favor. 
He simply claimed Jesus was the Son of God. Think about it in these terms. Faith in Jesus alone saved him from hell. He was rescued. Now, I say all that so that you understand that just because you just have to have the faith to get into heaven doesn't mean that the works are coupled with it. So your faith will produce works. Our text for today says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And then many of you guys know James chapter 2, verse 26. It says, faith without works is dead. So naturally, as your faith is growing, as your faith is being produced in your life, there should be works that accompany your faith. True, genuine faith will produce works. Now some of you are going, Pastor, I don't understand these Christianese terms you're using. What does it mean by works? Works are things you do that glorify God, and your life itself is a living testimony for God because of the things that you do. So whether it's feeding the hungry, helping the widows or the orphans, works become a byproduct of our faith. Naturally, when you start following out after Jesus Christ, there are things that start occurring in your life regularly where you are no longer the important one. You are placed on the back burner, and then everyone else matters more. That is what Jesus did. And our faith is going to be displayed by our obedience and a true fear of the Lord. So you will find, you'll find throughout Scripture as you read it that Jesus gives these things as a commandment, things that we should be doing that if we're going to pick up our cross and follow Him daily, there are things that should be happening in our life that demonstrate who God is and that we choose to follow out after Jesus Christ. Now, I said that a tr uh, uh, we need to have the true fear of the Lord, and I want to clarify this for a minute because I'm not referring to the boogeyman. I mean a fear that knowing that God created life, God can take away life. God is the one who judges. He is also the one who grants mercy and grace. And if you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, are not taking steps to deepen your faith, you are at great risk to watching your faith diminish. Back when I was a youth pastor, I used to always say our, our life and our path of faith is a lot like a ladder. Now, if you use a ladder, it's to serve one of two purposes, either to go up or go down. But the goal is there's a destination you are getting to. Now, our life is designed to go a direction. We all seek a direction. Anyone who doesn't seek a direction, they are stagnant, they are depressed, they feel lost, and we can go on and on and on. But clearly, there is a direction that we all want to go. With this ladder, you can only go up or go down. 
faith likewise. It's not meant to be stagnant or stay in one place. You can keep going up and you can keep growing in your faith. Or if you choose, if you choose just not to do anything, what you don't realize is your faith, if you are on that spiritual ladder, your faith will start to go down. You can't just maintain this happy little place where you think that you can just live for Christ, be happy with who you are in the world, happy in your faith, and be content. You have to seek growth in your life. If not, it's going to diminish. You know what? God just popped in my brain a much better illustration than a ladder. I'm going I'm to throw that illustration away. What if it was like a fire? Have you ever started a fire before? Have you ever had to use the kindling and then you can start to use the bigger logs? Then if you want to keep that fire going, you have to keep throwing logs on it. I need to write that down. Wendy, write that down. See, when you start praying more, you begin to deepen your understanding of Scripture also. You start to be obedient in your life, and, and God makes you lay things aside that used to be things of disobedience, and, and you start following out, out after this obedience more and more and more. As you begin to read Scripture, the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you that you've been doing wrong, that you can correct your behaviors in. Then you also you have the opportunity to become filled with the Holy Spirit. You can start hearing from God, and He can pour out to you. And the results of your faith should be evident by the steps that you are taking. Now here's the issue. If they are not evident, you better work harder. You're not working hard enough. There have been many times that I as a parent, I have watched my kids do a job that I've trained them to do. And as I'm watching them do this job, they are not putting in the effort that I think they should be. For instance, washing the dishes, just rinsing off dishes, putting them in the dishwasher should not take an hour. But yet often, how many of you parents, you're like, I understand what you're saying. You sit there and you're watching your kids and it is so agonizing. And then you just want to say, okay, either you need to move faster or get out of my way because I want this done. We have things to do. We have people to see. Likewise, we should work hard for our faith. What Jesus Christ has purposed in you is to spread His message to those that you come in contact with. And if people look at the fruits of your life and say, I don't see Jesus, we have a problem. Especially if you're trying to openly claim Him. They should begin to see Jesus. The second thing that I want to draw out in the Scripture 
is that God will work in you. So we just read about we need to work hard, we need to put effort in in order to have our our faith revealed to other people. But now what we read is that God will work in you. So as you begin to work hard, God will begin to stir things up in you and he will help you. Aren't you thankful God doesn't leave you alone? He doesn't leave you alone. And God, the more effort you put in, God will show you more and give you a deeper understanding of who He is. God wants you to know Him. He truly wants you to know Him. And He wants you to walk in His power. I want to read a significant scripture because it is the last recorded thing that Jesus said on this earth before He ascended into heaven. It's in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, church, a heart that longs out after God, one that is obedient, fears the Lord, produces good works as a result of their faith, God will work in you to do even greater things. The more of yourself you offer to God, the more that He will give you to work with. So here's the key. Here's the key. So some of you are saying, okay, pastor, this sounds really good. The, the, this means that the more I work, the more God is going to use me. And I think that we all genuinely should want that. Amen? We should want to be used more by God. But here is the key. We have to have a genuine heart. It is not about our own motivations and what, what God can, can do through us and how many people can recognize this. Wow, they're really used by God. It is a heart that solely pursues this task because we care about God being revealed to the ends of the earth. We care about being those witnesses that Jesus Christ is calling us to be. I've got four scenarios that I want to ask you. And it's all predicated off, when is the last time you did this? So I just want you to ask yourself these questions. It's not going to be up on the screen. I'm sorry, I was lazy this morning. (laughs) Believe it or not, Gabe, I happen to be lazy from time to time. As far as you're concerned, no, I'm never lazy, okay? When is the last time? You have read Scripture, and the application of it caused you to cry out in repentance. I'm not asking you when the last time you've read Scripture, but when is the time you've read Scripture and the application of that Scripture caused you to cry out in repentance? When is the last time The presence of the Lord was so strong because you pressed into worship and you didn't want it to end. When is the last time where where you committed to praying and the Holy Spirit was speaking through you and causing you to pray for a multitude of things that you never intended to pray for when you went into that session of prayer? 
And then you became entrenched in prayer. When is the last time you were so moved by the Spirit of God that you had to tell someone about His goodness? If these things aren't happening, start pursuing God. These are results from a genuine heart that wants more from God. Because here's the thing, church. God wants to work in you. He wants to work in you. Jesus said, as we referenced earlier, you will be my witnesses. So the responsibility becomes on us. But we also know that Jesus, he, he had this amazing message called the Sermon on the Mount. You can find it between Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7. And what we learn is in the Sermon on the Mount that God wants to give us gifts, good gifts that will equip us and enable us to be these kind of people. We're, I'm going to read for you, and it's going to be up here on the screen, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. It says, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks... Listen to that again. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? How many of it does it sting when Jesus refers to you as you sinful people? I read that and it stings a little bit. But it reminds me that only God the Father is good. I am a sinful person. And as much as it stings, it's true. Everyone is. Thank you, Gabe. But I, as a father, I still know how to give good gifts, even though I am a sinful person. God the Father, who's never sinned, who created you, who breathed life into you, and who is providing for you on a daily basis, whether you recognize it or not, when you cry out to Him, when you ask things of Him, especially if it's eternally minded, if it's, if it's, if it's kingdom minded, God is going to grant you those gifts. And here's the great part. As long as your heart is pure and following out after God, He doesn't resist who he works through. There's no one he looks at and says, no, not them. Not them. Not my kind of person. God doesn't matter your class, 
your race, the past sins that you have committed. That does not matter to God. What matters to God is that you genuinely long to, for, for Him, to be His servant. That is what matters to God. A heart that longs to be like His Son, Jesus. If you have that, God will use you. He will use you. Third and last thing that I want to talk about from this passage. Share your joy. Share your joy. We don't do that enough. In fact, there's nothing I hate more than logging on to social media. I guess the sentence could end there, but it's going to continue. Um, There's nothing I hate more than logging on to social media and seeing a believer in Jesus Christ gripe and complain or seek pity. Here Paul says, share your joy. Now, I think that we as believers in Jesus Christ, every one of us needs to gripe from time to time, and every one of us needs to complain. But you know where that belongs? Amongst other believers. Not out there for just anyone to see. And so we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to share our joy because our joy doesn't stem from the things that are produced in this world. Our joy stems from the things that are produced in the kingdom. So likewise, what we need to do, we need to be kingdom-minded people that are constantly focused on sharing our joy of the goodness of God and what He has done. It's not easy when you look at things with physical eyes, is it? But Paul makes a reference in our original text about pouring himself out. And I want to read that for you. It's in, it's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I want to speak for just a moment about this time in history. The time where Paul is writing this. Both the Jews and the pagans, what they would do is, they would pour out their wine on either a sacrifice or at the base of an altar in honor of their God. Now Paul is recognizing his life in Jesus Christ, and what he is saying is, my entire life is an offering to God. I don't need to pour out physical wine because I'm pouring my life out daily as a sacrifice unto God. And with God, the more we pour out, the more He'll replenish. See, here's an issue amongst believers today. Many believers are saying, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And guys, I get it. I get that way from time to time. But what we need to awaken ourselves to is when we hold back from pouring ourselves out yet again, what we don't realize is we are holding back the Spirit of God from pouring even more out upon us. I want to read for you Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans 12, 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you and give your bodies to God because of all 
He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. You have the choice to make to be a holy, living sacrifice to God. You don't need to try and make things right with God anymore by pouring wine out in front of an altar, making sacrifices to Him. Jesus Christ became the sacrifice when He died and rose again. Then your belief in Him, you have chosen to sacrifice yourself, be a living sacrifice for the cause of Christ. So your faithful service, this is what Paul's, Paul's ultimately saying, your faithful service is an offering to God. So to bring this all full circles, I'm kind of going to wrap this up today. When you work for God, that is an offering unto Him. Brian, when you weed eat here at the church, that's an offering unto God. Diana, when you go to Fairway and just say something in passing that points the cashier to your faith in Jesus Christ, that is an offering to God. Marty, when you pray, when you pray for family, that is an offering to God. The key for us is to do it faithfully. To do it faithfully. And faithfully serving the Lord, this is what I really wanted to hammer on as our last point today. Faithfully serving the Lord, it shouldn't look like a funeral service. It shouldn't be depressing. It should be things that are done with joy. See, it, we, we come off wanting to be so humble and appear so humble that we give this appearance of like our service is lowly. Like God has called us to piety for the rest of our lives, and that, that's just simply not true. And in fact, Jesus called out, he, he called out the, uh, the Pharisees for doing such things when they were fasting in Matthew chapter 6. Now, doing things on our own can be discouraging. The body of Christ needs to stick together and work together. The body of Christ needs to have the attitude that says, okay, I know that you have this talent, you have this role, I see you filling that need, I see another need that needs done. Not to say, oh, no, no, Pastor Kimpy, I, I see you leading worship, I want to do that too. You have a worship leader. Now it's up to you to say, I'll fill another need and then we will be working together. We will be working in harmony. And when we do that together, Paul encourages us to recognize faithfulness as dedication to God and to be joyful over it. To be joyful over it. So when I think of lives like Don LeBon and Dale Pierce. I think of men who were faithful in what they did to the end.
their lives at the end, they were celebrated. We likewise, church, we should also share in that kind of joy and rejoice for what God has done and what God is doing through our faithful service. Understand, those men have passed on. The baton has been passed. And now, likewise, God is calling you to have the same persistence, the same resilience, and faithfulness to the end. Because faithfulness testifies of a hope in something greater than ourselves in this earth. And that's what our lives should look like. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Did it say so everyone will praise you? No, so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Gabe, please put that up on the screen if it's there. I believe it is. I want to read it again. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, we do it not for our own glory, but we do it for His glory. And there are those around you who need you to shine for them. There are those who need to see you shine. They need you to lead the way. Church, ignore all the arguing. Ignore the complaining. Choose to live above reproach. People want to follow that. They don't want to follow noise. Noise for the sake of noise, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, that our faith without love is just a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I want to be a person that follows out after Jesus Christ. And this world needs that now more than ever. We can have debates and opinions on everything from coronavirus to what is going on with Black Lives Matter. But let me tell you what all of, it's, all of it comes down to. This world needs Jesus. It needs Jesus. And we as believers choose how we lend our voice to that argument. And I'm going to tell you, I choose to continue to point people to the cross. Guys, that's what it's about. The cross. Lives are going to be set free because of the cross. You can come into a full knowledge of Jesus Christ and then you can pass that on and you can experience the, the shedding of sin that carries a heavy burden on you and see others shed that heavy burden that weighs on them and see them go on and tell people about who Jesus is. That is what is life-giving. That is what will change a nation, church. Amen? Let's stop being so discouraged by what we see on the news and instead combat it with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. That will be what makes the difference. Some of us can be very passionate about things like politics. But I'm telling you guys right now, 
the world doesn't need more politics. It needs Jesus. And we, as the body of Christ, should find ourselves humbly bowed at the throne, asking God to pour His Spirit out on our nation yet again. That's the kind of people we should be right now. So here's the opportunity that I want to give you today. To go before God and plead to Him that He can use you to shine light into dark places, to proclaim His Son, Jesus Christ. So there are several ways that you might need to respond to this right now, church. You might need to respond on your knees. You might need to respond standing up. You might need to respond with your hands lifted high to Him. But here's the thing, and here's my conviction, church. Governments topple. Nations topple. People topple all the time. New ones rise up. My God, He never changes. He never changes. And I know that He is going to make the difference in this nation and around the world. And I want to be about his agenda. And I hope you do too. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity right now to respond. Respond any way you need to. But when I cry out to God, whether it's you choosing to get on your knees right now or to stand up right now, I am asking you to join me in prayer. Because I want God to not only be the difference in my life, I want God to be the difference in your lives. I want God to be the difference in my neighbor's lives and everyone that I come in contact with. But it takes us standing up or kneeling, whatever spiritual posture you need to be in, to say, God, use me for that purpose. Let's respond right now. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for those that are here in this church today. And God, I can't help but be devastated by the things that I turn on and see on the news. I can't help but be devastated by the things that I see people arguing over on social media and God arguing about out in public. But God, we stand here today because we seek you. We desire more of you. And we want you to be introduced into the lives of all these people, God, who have their eyes set on the wrong things. God, I choose to look at you and I choose to look at your son who died on the cross for my sins and the sins of mankind. And Lord, I believe that that is going to be what sets the hearts of men free. So God, I pray for each and every one here. They all have the opportunity to shine your light to a very dark world. And God, we read in your scripture today, the more work that we put in, the more effort that we put in to show the results of our faith, God, then you will begin to pour out tools that helps us please you and be obedient to you. God, I ask that you will give everyone in this room those tools 
God, you are examining us. Lord, you know our hearts. You know our motives, God. And I pray that if there is any impure thought within me, rooted out by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, I want to be a man that stands for you and you alone. Lord, may you be the driving force behind everyone who is responding today in the purpose of what they do and who they are. I praise you, God. And Lord, I believe true freedom, true freedom is found in you. We can claim to be a free nation, but freedom only goes so far in the presence of sin. I praise you and I thank you, God, for you alone are good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated.